One of the hottest topics in our culture today is definitely generative AI and the opportunities and pitfalls it might bring. This is an issue that's not just top of mind for the music industry, but all creative industries. Welcome to the future of what? I'm Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. On today's episode, we talked to Jay Christopher Hamilton about the implications of generative AI for creators in the film industry and across the board. It's all coming up on the future of what? My guest today is Jay Christopher Hamilton. He's a professor, attorney, and author at the SI Newhouse School of Public Communications at Syracuse University and the founder of the Esquire Group PC. Jay, welcome to the future of what? Well, I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Portia. I'm, I'm super happy to have you. So I'm, I'm excited to talk to you. We don't do a lot of cr- cross-disciplinary conversations in the music industry, or at least I don't on this show very often. So it's kind of fun because I do think that generative AI is this hot topic these days for all creators. And you have been doing a bunch of work with the film industry in yes. recent years. That's sort of a big part of your background. Yes. So I just wanted to ask you, you know, to get your perspective on, you know, where do you think we're going with the the generative AI conversation uh, legally in this country? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, great, great question. And listen, very, very timely for obvious reasons. For, for those of your audience that may not be familiar with the TV and film space right now, um, Hollywood is undergoing a significant work stoppage with regard to this one particular issue and others. So the SAG-AFTRA union, which represents the on-screen talent as well as background actors and, and some others, um, as well as the, the Writers Guild, the WGA, are both on strike primarily because they want to control the use of generative AI with regard to uh, the services they provide to film and TV uh, production companies and studios. So, just wanted to set the stage a little bit for that. Uh, in terms of you know the conversation and where we're at, I mean, essentially, generative AI represents you know an incredible, incredible shift in the business landscape in all areas of our life, obviously, but specifically with regard to uh, television, film, or t- or film in particular. You know, it represents the ability for studios that are largely financing the content we know to love as motion picture uh, movies, it gives them the ability to, how would I say this, drastically reduce the amount of money they spend in creating these compelling stories. And particularly with regard to using generative AI to produce actual screenplays, right? The literary piece of Mm -hmm. the component and using generative AI to replicate and manipulate the visual images of the actors uh, providing on-screen talent. So, so in a nutshell, if we would snap our fingers and, and fast forward five, 10, 15 years from now, and, and studios had the ability to do whatever they wanted, however they wanted <laughs> with this technology, they would be in savings billions, literally billions, multiple billions of dollars, I would anticipate by having a free reign using this technology. So, so basically what you're saying is, is they could replace writers by generative AI f- computers that are writing screenplays for them. Mm-hmm. And then they could replace actors 
many actors or, or at least, you know, background actors as they've been, you know, as has been discussed in mm-hmm. the press and, you know, maybe only spend their money on a few big name stars or something. Exactly. You, you got it right. Yeah. So the, the issues for the music industry are a little bit different, but are overlapping, which is, you know, people are real worried that uh, generative AI is going to just allow people to just create songs and not musicians, not creators, but just really anybody just push a button, create a song, upload it onto the services and start generating revenue for yourself. And what happens if that song is a hit, you know, then basically we have just, you know, pushed out musicians and creators and just allowed basically scammers, you know, anyone who can push a button to, yes. to, to take this money. So it's, it's <laughs> in our case, it's more like not the studios, it's not the big players, it's the small players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. I mean, look, ultimately, you know, when things get commodified, like AI, generative AI can do, I mean, everyone has a chance to participate in the party, right, and, and monetize the intellectual property. So... You know, it's it's a it's a catch twenty two, right? Because look, you know, I represent actors, writers, producers, and sometimes musicians and, and song and recording artists. And I understand the great work that goes into creating their brilliant, you know, material as as well as the passion attached to it, right? And then we can but we can also understand that there's a, a significant financial component to creating these successful uh, pieces of intellectual property. So, you know, it's like what I'm ultimately saying is there needs to be a compromise with regard to the perception of generative AI in addition to its application. What I mean by that is to say that the business world, right, the individuals financing and funding the art need to recognize the novelty in the art and the uniqueness of the artist to some degree, right? And then the artists creating the intellectual property I think need to be willing to embrace more of the business dynamics with, of what this technology brings and come to a compromise where, you know, both sides are able to achieve what they want to achieve from the technology, maybe make a, 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 some sacrifices along the way, but again, ben- and, but all parties benefit from it because I'll um, cap my comment with this. The technology is very nascent, obviously, and, you know, it's, it remains to be seen kind of how it's going to be rolled out, but it is here and it is not going anywhere. And I, if I was to read the tea leaves with regard to how the studios, the financing behemoths are dealing with this issue, which is they're playing this, it's, it, they're basically holding steady, letting the artist community bleed out until they come crawling for compromises that they're willing to make. And because of how significant this is going to impact is going to have on, on our business. So what I'm ultimately saying is I, I would anticipate, you know, this to be the case with regard to other areas of our life, including music, whereas, you know, the parties that are really standing to gain a lot from it are, are really not going to budge unless they see some of the talent community be willing to make some sacrifices and compromises as well. Got it. Yeah. Um, one of the areas that is like an overlap between the music and film industries is definitely likeness, right? Mm-hmm. Of of you know whether it's an actor or a musician, mm-hmm. and then the no the notion that people that generative AI is going to create the inability of people to control their own likeness. Mm-hmm. Do you see any sort of legislation coming down the pike about that, or do you think that we're going to have some rules around that anytime soon? You know, I, yeah, yes, I do believe we'll see progressive legislation 
in its attempt to implement some regulations and controls. But oftentimes, as we all know, and through our daily lives, you know, legislators and government officials are always late to the game, right? So when that will happen, I'm likely will happen too late for most people. Um, so in the meantime, what I would hope that would take place is we use the existing legislation to provide some guardrails and parameters for how we deal with these issues or existing business practices, right? So for example, in the film world, um, and this likely, you know, could apply to other areas of art, the arts, but, you know, a studio or a producer that wants to use the image and likeness of an actor in a particular piece of ancillary material like a commercial or a um, promotional ad for the film, you know, will either pay up front to have that ability to use that to use those images for those ancillary purposes, or they will be subject to getting the approval of the artist, right, or the the actor, and that tends to work out pretty pretty good. I mean, either hey, if you don't want to come for my approval, then give me a premium fee, and if you do want to come for my approval, then I'm here to say yes or no. Now, applying that kind of approach to generative AI, I think would be a practical first step forward uh, and, and, and likely protect the parties on both sides of the uh, the table. And one other thing I want to add to this, too, is part of the, I think, the issue is, it's not, I think it's less about, hey, you know, the studios are going to run wild, rampant and use us in all kind of crazy things. I think it's really, I think the focus should be more like, what are the items or what are the uses that would be off the table and require our approval, right? So, for example, maybe we don't have to go to you for to use you in a promo for the film. I mean, that seems pretty reasonable. Or some type of short-form content to, to, to create more in, in, engaging um, discussion around the, in the movie. But if we want to use you in something that would be considered sensitive material or uh, controversial or something outside the norm, then we got to get your approval, right? So for example, associating your image with a alcohol or tobacco ad, right? Or using your image in a scene that incorporates, you know, intimate apparel, right? So I think I think there's ways to to use existing parameters to, to give us some guardrails going forward with this generative AI while we wait for legislators to step in. Yeah. And that really makes me think about, you know, uh, for years and years, music licensing has operated on that exact principle, which is, you know, depending on the artist's agreement with the label um, or the artist's agreement with whoever they're dealing with directly, their permission is necessary to use their music in certain certain types of usages. And, you know, back in the day when every when well, when I was in a punk band and other people were more interested in being punk than mm-hmm. making money, which mm-hmm. somehow disappeared around 2011. I don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were bands that would actually say like, no, you can't use my music in a Hummer ad, for example, because mm-hmm. I don't believe in that. I'm I'm not on the same page with that. You know, and so and so there there's there's precedent for that. And I think that's really great and helps the protections on in both industries that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But my question to you is, what about the Wild West of social media? Mm. Like what mm. do you think that there might be some things that happen in the in the world of social media that, you know, certain ways that people's likenesses are used or music is used or, you know, AI generated figures of of some of a you know famous musician or a famous actor saying something that that person never yeah. said you know yeah. do you think that we we might see legislation happen quicker because of that wild west nature you know uh, you raise a really interesting point right so you know it's if everyone's playing by the rules, you know, it, you know, this is more or less a manageable issue but you're right the wild west of the social media where anyone and everyone becomes 
an, uh, an AI expert because they have an app on their phone or they've downloaded some uh, <laughs> some type of like you know controversial software and they go they go rampant they go to town on whatever audio or video or whatever material they want to use you know I, I think you know again just basing my assessment off of how legislation has kind of crept its way into our daily lives with social media and and how late it was right when you think about the launch of YouTube and the launch of all these social apps, you know, when it came to, you know, the takedown um, requirements for in, infringing content. I, I, again, I, I think you I think we'll see a faster response from our regulators and our legislators when it impacts them directly. Right. When someone takes Donald Trump or Biden or some other big politician and uses them in a way or that represents a, a risk to national security or or their personal uh, comfort. So I think, yeah, so if the wild west of, of social media starts to basically create uh, controversial <laughs> issues for the legislators themselves, then 100 percent they'll be right in front. And, and that might likely be the case of why they're going to maybe move faster than normal with this. But I do think, you know, what's going to be really important beyond the legislation, right? Because it's like anything when it comes to breaking rules, right? You, you know, you break the rule, but really what matters is what is the consequence and how quickly am I have to pay for that consequence? So when I think about social media and I think about people breaking rules, I think, well, what's going to be the consequence? Never mind the legislation, but how is the technology in place that there are bots and nodes and, you know, I don't know, it's just some type of, you know, uh, social media sentinel that's going to be able to sift out and sniff out all of the infractions and infracting the parties that are breaking the rules and find their content and delete it or remove it automatically, right? Uh, versus someone having to file a claim and wait for a response. So another way that I'm answering your question is this: what I what I would what I would like to see happen quickly is the Googles and the, the Metas and you name Microsofts. Roll, begin to roll out technology that will be protecting their users and protecting the content creators in advance of the legislation, so that when someone does does something does do something wrong, uh, the technology will be able to quickly neutralize that. Right? I hope I answered your question, but. Absolutely. No, definitely. Well, Jay, I could honestly talk to you all day, but I know you have a heart out. So I just want to thank you so much. Jay Christopher Hamilton is my guest. And thanks for being with me today on The Future of What? No, no, this was great, Portia. I hope this is the beginning of many more of these conversations. I enjoy them tre tremendously. And you were a great host. Oh, thank you so much. We'll definitely talk to you again. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. And that's our show. Our theme song is Mind Your Own Business by The Delta Five and is played by permission. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Today's show was engineered by Clark Buckner at Relationary Marketing in Nashville and was produced by Dana Rogers and Henrik Bick. I'm Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. See you next time. Can I have a taste of your ice cream?